So glad this guy is on our side. Right now, it's happening again. He is revealing Twitter to have been a corrupt, dishonest company that was out to get conservatives and influence the last election big time, i.e., throw it to Joe Biden. We have now smoking gun proof that he's putting out via some very good journalists that Twitter was shadow banning. You've heard that term before, reducing the uh, impact of high-profile conservatives and falsely accusing a lot of them of engaging in hate speech. The ramifications uh, of this are huge. We'll see what happens. It's still developing, but it confirms to me that <laughs> big tech colluded with the Democrats to cheat in the last election. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, some of the worst deals in history. Some of the worst deals in history. Think about the worst deals in history where somebody we know got totally, totally ripped off. Like... Uh, maybe the Native Americans, when they sold Manhattan to the Dutch for, what, 24 bucks? Okay, that wasn't very smart. Uh, how about Babe Ruth? When he was traded from the Red Sox, they didn't have much faith in him, to the New York Yankees. And he became, of course, the legend that he became. And then there was the Bo Bergdahl deal. Remember that traitor or whatever his problem was? And we gave all those uh, Taliban and Guantanamo detainees to get this guy back. And now we have this. Brittany Griner is on her way back to America. And Victor Boot, madman arms dealer, on his way back to Russia. What a ripoff, huh? We got totally ripped off, totally played again because, well, the Biden administration is at the helm of this country making all these deals that are bad for this country. Now, quick review. Brittany Griner, who is she? Uh, she's not really that important. Average professional basketball player doesn't seem to be very keen on America, and she enjoys marijuana. Uh, we got her back. What did Russia get in exchange? Let's see. Uh, Victor Boot, convicted of conspiring to kill Americans, world's leading arms dealer, sold weapons to Al Qaeda, the Taliban, various terrorist organizations. A one-for-one one prisoner swap happened today, and I think we got the short end of the stick, don't you? Victor Boot Bout, he's a bad, bad guy. Listen to this from 60 Minutes. This is from a decade ago they had this guy's number. Victor Boot, uh, in, in my eyes, um, is one of the most dangerous men on the face of the earth. On the face of the earth. Without a doubt. What makes him a threat to the United States? He is a shadow facilitator. He's arming not only designated terrorist groups, uh, insurgent groups, but he's also arming very powerful drug trafficking cartels uh, around the globe. Wow, what a bad guy. And until yesterday, he was in federal prison in Illinois. Now he's on his way back to Russia. And Russia is engaged in a war, as we know, with Ukraine. What could Viktor Bauk do there? Hmm, lots of damage to the side we're supporting. All right. And Brittany, what does she bring to the table? What impact does she have on the world? This is Brittany Griner in her own words. Normally we have practice around 10-ish. Then it's like, what am I going to do for the rest of the day? It's freezing cold outside. I sit here and I watch movies all day play video games till like nine at night. Basically a child, 
it's an adult officially, but sits around watching TV, playing video games all day long, shoots a few hoops in the morning. This is a big kid, and uh, we give away a master criminal, and we get her back. This is the worst thing that's happened to America in, along these lines since Bo Bergdahl, that crazy private, army private who said enough with his army unit in Afghanistan, walked off to join the Taliban or at least hang with them. He regretted that. Remember, we exchanged him, and here he goes off into the H-60 helicopter. We sent people. This was a dangerous mission to get this low life back. Uh, wow. But we did it. And we gave them five Al-Qaeda slash Taliban in exchange. Some of these guys were able to kill Americans because this happened a long time ago in 2015. In 2015, how many years were left in the war? Six. Six years left. Six years on the battlefield. Six years to do damage to America. And we know how we got out. And we know that these guys, some of them are alive and well and still in the Taliban Barack Obama, he presided all of all of this. He presided over, uh, those are Bo Bergdahl's parents. Originally, they tried to spin us that this was somehow a good deal. It was terrible. This morning, I called Bob and Janie Bergdahl and told them that after nearly five years in captivity, their son, Bo, is coming home. I'm also grateful for the tireless work of our diplomats and for the cooperation of uh, the government of Qatar in helping to secure Bo's release. We've worked for several years to achieve this goal, and earlier this week I was able to personally thank the Emir of Qatar for his leadership in helping us get it done. It makes it sound like Bo Bergdahl was some sort of hero. That president never should have called this guy's parents. This was a disgrace, a total failure across the board. Bo Bergdahl, I think, who knows what he's doing now. He's out of the Army. They court-martialed him when he got home. Victor Bout, by the way, though, greeted, hugged by the Russians. Take a look at this. This guy's a hero. Victor Bout's holding that uh, manila envelope there. And uh, watch what happens when uh, one of the officials from Russia uh, greets him. It's a great big hug. Welcome home. They're not sending him to prison. It's back to, uh, I don't know. The battlefield, wherever an arms dealer does his trade, he's going to be doing that. He probably is already. This is bad stuff, everybody. You know, America, we didn't get owned like this. This is not the spirit of America. When it comes to prison exchanges, you know it is. We get the best of the enemies. We take advantage of the situation. Who remembers the movie The Patriot? Mel Gibson, great movie. This guy was a patriot, and he was killing the British all over the place. It was fantastic. They caught him, kept him prisoner, and then there was a prison ex prisoner exchange. Get up, walk up! General, what is this? Prisoner exchange. He has 18 of our officers. Who is he? I recognize him. He's the commander of the militia. Your ghost. <laughs> you see? I mean, this guy understands that they're getting the short end of the stick. He's furious about this. America, we're the ones who are supposed to come out on top in this situation. Next. This is madness. 
If you harm him, you condemn our officers. General, with respect, sir, he's killed as many officers in the last two months. I understand his rage. Uh, next. You! Well, you're the ghost, are you? I remember you and that farm, that stupid little boy. Did he die? Hmm? You know, it's an ugly business doing one's duty. But just occasionally, it's a real pleasure. Before this war's over, I'm going to kill you. That's the problem for us. You see what happens here? He's no longer a prisoner. He vows, though, he's going to be back on the battlefield and he's going to kill the Brits. So what do we get? We got two idiots, Bergdahl and um, Brittany Griner. What are they going to do? Nothing. They'll go back to basketball, basket weaving, whatever it is they do. This person is capable of killing Americans, ultimately. So uh, was this, uh, those five Al-Qaeda members, right? They're totally capable of killing Americans. In fact, we believe they did after we released them from Guantanamo Bay for Private Bo Bergdahl. And by the way, what about Paul Whelan? You know about him? He's being held in Russia for espionage. Uh, he's been there for four years. Why was he kind of overlooked in all this? This is a higher value person for us. Listen to this. I would say that if um, a message could go to President Biden that um, you know this is a precarious situation that needs to be resolved quickly, and um, I would hope that he and his administration would do everything they could to get me home, um, regardless of the price they might have to pay at this point. All right, the Russians uh, have uh, convicted him in a sham trial of espionage. Take a look at the other things, though, he has going against him in the court of public opinion here. Paul Whelan, he's straight, he's white, and he's a man. And also, this is key, he's not famous. That's bad for him because Brittany Griner, well, she's none of those things. And she's very, very, this, this is status in America now, gay, black woman, and famous, famous. And that, in this case, means a... Uh, a ticket home. It means a ticket home. ...was played. We saw the players leave the floor, go back to their respective locker rooms. One of those actions we'll see throughout the season as part of the social justice initiative. Yeah, first of many ways that we will see WNBA plays, players using their voices all season long. This is nothing new for these women. They have been proactive when it comes to speaking out on social... Yeah, social justice issues, race, all that stuff... She's coming home to a country she doesn't seem to like very much. And a lot of us are eager to see. Now that she's gotten a taste of a Russian gulag, essentially, will she be a bit more, I don't know, sympathetic to this country that, uh, that has given her a lot, certainly more than Russia gave her. And when it comes to issues of racial justice, America has got it all going on, unlike Russia. I wonder what she thought of the diversity over there. I, uh, I want to know about that as well. Um, and Joe Biden announced the prisoner exchange at the White House and uh, couldn't really handle any questions, so got the heck out before anybody could ask a question. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you all very much. Mr. What has Russia got in return for this prisoner swap? What has Russia got in return, Mr. President, for this prisoner swap? 24 hours. What do you say to the Whalen family who says this is a catastrophe for Paul, Mr. President? We're speaking to that. How soon will he be home? Mm, that's not leadership. That's uh, that's mumbling. That's mumbling. What do you expect from a guy who's never negotiated anything, anything in his professional life, and now he's supposed to be involved and oversee this kind of stuff? You know what Joe can do? What he's been doing his entire professional life? Smiling. A great big smile and a handshake. That's what he's specialized in. A phony, shallow, silly politician, a career politician. But now there are real stakes. That smile did not impress Vladimir Putin. He knew, he knew that it could bait Ukraine and get away with it after that meeting in Geneva. You know, somebody warned us about these silly politicians with the big smile. Would you like to be the president of the United States? I really don't believe I would, Ronna, but I would like to see somebody as the president who could do the job. I would dedicate my life to this country, but I see it as being a mean life. And I also see it as somebody with strong views and somebody with the kind of views that are maybe a little bit unpopular, which may be right, but may be unpopular, wouldn't necessarily have a chance of getting elected against somebody with no great brain but a big smile. No great brain, but a big smile. Sounds like somebody we know, doesn't it? By the way, what does President Trump think of this situation? Of course, he understands it totally. Let's go through his Trump truth. What kind of a deal is it to swap Brittany Griner, a basketball player who openly hates our country, for the man known as the Merchant of Death, who is one of the biggest arms dealers anywhere in the world and responsible for tens of thousands of deaths and horrific injuries. All true. Why wasn't former Marine Paul Whelan included in this totally one-sided transaction? He would have been let out for the asking. What a stupid and unpatriotic embarrassment for the USA. You know, this is one of the reasons why the swamp hates them. They hate it when somebody just speaks the truth so clearly, so powerfully, and everybody can see it and call them out. This, this is why they hate them. Oh, by the way, Donald Trump is very good at getting Americans home. Who remembers ASAP Rocky? ASAP, he's some sort of rapper, and he was stuck in Sweden. Pretty horrible, uh, horrible allegations against him. You might not think that ASAP Rocky and Donald Trump, uh, you know, go together. <laughs> Look at this. The tweet. This helped get him free. Uh, set him free. Give ASAP Rocky his freedom. We do so much for Sweden, but it doesn't seem to work the other way around. Sweden should focus on its real crime problem, free Rocky. And, of course, there was other stuff going on behind the scenes. He was very good at getting Americans home. We'll have more on that a little bit later in the show. But first... Alvin Bragg is this woke, crazy district attorney here in New York City, and he seems more eager to try to put Donald Trump in jail than this guy who was wielding an axe. He thinks Donald Trump is a threat, but this guy, he thinks, deserves a third, fourth and fifth chance. Uh, details when we come back. So last night we uh, offered this. 
So many members of the fake news talking about the reckoning that had taken place in the aftermath of Black Lives Matter. Reckoning. They love that word. It's a reckoning. Remember? This is a reckoning in America on the question of race. This idea that we're living in this racial reckoning where everyone's talking about race, everyone's talking about kind of opportunity. Now we're in a moment, John, where people are taking to the streets in a moment of racial reckoning. As you know and our viewers know, We've been living through a racial reckoning this summer. America right now is in the middle of a racial reckoning. This year has uh, never been more important for truth, transparency, and reliable information. You know, mostly white liberals telling me all about, telling us all about the racial reckoning. But that word reckoning, what does it actually mean in this context? The time when one is called to account for one's actions, to pay one's debts, or to fulfill one's promises or obligations. You know what, how this has trickled down, right? What this means in reality, shoplifting has been essentially legalized. <laughs> I mean, we never saw moments like this before the reckoning, did we? It's happening everywhere, all the time. This is the new way in America, and security guards have been instructed don't do anything about it. Don't do anything about it because I guess it's part of the reckoning. Uh, we people are owed things. Is that how it actually works? Look, it sounds great if you're on a panel on MSNBC, but this is the reality. And we're going to see major retailers closing. Walmart. Who doesn't like Walmart? Well, a lot of people actually on the left don't like Walmart, but I think it's great. But we'll be seeing fewer and fewer Walmarts if that... Uh, Stuff keeps happening all across the country. Something's got to give. This is the CEO of Walmart. There have been rules that have been changed that make it not something that the police are going to pro prosecute or that the, the criminals won't be prosecuted below certain levels. Does that matter? If that's not corrected over time, prices will be higher right. and or stores will close. Right. He doesn't want to emphasize this. He's kind of shy about it. He doesn't want to draw the fire of the political left. But uh, they're talking about raising prices and closing stores because shoplifting has essentially been legalized. And it's a huge problem. And prosecutors, they're not prosecuting anymore. They're not. Pro Alvin Bragg, he's kind of an important D.A. in the country. He doesn't care about street crime. He cares about trying to embarrass Trump, really. What does this conviction mean? It's consequential in a number of ways. You know, first, we've got the former president's you know, namesake corporations uh, being convicted, you know, criminal convictions uh, in contrast to prior civil matters. And nobody can really understand this case. It seems incredibly petty. And his motivations, I think, are a problem. Oh, this is a big deal. Why? Because it's a former president. Why? Because the organization we went after is the same name, has the same name as the president. Who cares about that stuff? Isn't it all about wrongdoing? Just to give you an idea what's going on in this guy's head, the axe man, the famous axe man who went on a rampage over the summer with an axe and a McDonald's threatening customers and busting up the place was let out by his office, his district attorneys are responsible for prosecution within hours, within hours. There he was giving, uh, giving interviews on the street. The DA could have stopped this. They let the judge go ahead and let this guy go. How about this? More recently, a man on New York, on a New York street approached, seeing the red jacket. He's about to get hit in the head with a baseball bat. Watch. That's attempted murder, everybody. That is attempted murder. Now he's going to go back and 
Uh, what, what do you do next? You got to yell at him and intimidate him even more. That guy's out of jail within uh, 96 hours on $7,500 bond. 70, I'm sorry, less than a day after posting $7,500. This is insanity. This is undoing society. That's where we're going very, very fast. And I can't believe how few people are actually standing up and trying to do something about it. In New York City, you can resist arrest and not be breaking the law. Criminals have every incentive to run away from the cops because under this new DA, they won't, in most cases, be prosecuted for running away from the cops. Next, please. This puts the cops in a really dangerous situation. I mean, why not? If you're being arrested and you're not going to be charged with resisting arrest, just go for it. Why not resist? And they resist and some of them get away. It's... uh, it's pretty pathetic. This is, I never thought we'd be like this. Did you ever, right? This is not America. We need help. And you know what? I think we need Trump. I'll be right back. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it. it dude. They don't get it. And quite frankly, a big chunk of the fake news overly impressed, too impressed, with Joe Biden's uh, skill at negotiating. Uh, if you watch cable news today, uh, there's a good chance that you saw somebody swooning about Joe Biden's negotiating ability. He has none. We got nothing out of this. This was a bad, bad deal. It's interesting. Donald Trump actually trained as a negotiator, said he could do it. We all saw him do it. And he did it in a way that not a lot of people appreciate. He was able to get Americans home in very similar circumstances. It was a priority, and nobody else really talked about it. So he had to talk about it, and he did a pretty good job. I thought I had been forgotten. I nearly gave up hope. I was so afraid. I believed I would die here. American hostages, forgotten and wasting away in far-off prisons, wrongfully detained by foreign governments. Americans were beaten, abused, starved, and left for dead. Until President Donald Trump stepped in. The three American hostages finally back on U.S. soil after being held captive in North Korea. We're following some breaking news in Turkey where an American pastor, Andrew Brunson, has been released. An American jailed in Egypt is back in the U.S. this morning after an intervention by the Trump administration. A tough and skilled negotiator, President Trump successfully won the release of detainees and prisoners, among the most of any president in American history. While families waited in despair for news of their loved ones, President Trump provided a new spark of hope by bringing our hostages home. Some sporadic media coverage, but then it was right back to pounding away, uh, trying to get him on something. Um, There should be more critical coverage of this prisoner swap. I mean, what did America get out of it? Brittany Griner for this arms dealer. That's not happening. And again, Trump did specialize in this. He made it a priority. He told everybody he wanted to get Americans home in 2016 and 
by the summer of 2020, he was able to say, mission accomplished. We really made progress here. All right. Who likes Shark Week? Every summer they have Shark Week on the Discovery Channel. Hey, remember Jaws back in the 1970s? Uh, awesome, awesome movie. Kind of quaint by today's standards, though. No big deal. Anyway, Shark Week is like the new Jaws on the Discovery Channel. Again, take a look. Man, this thing is cool. Isn't it? Over the years, I've used all kinds of decoys on Shark Week. Mm. We've used countless seal decoys, sea turtle decoys, stingray decoys, even a dolphin decoy. But I've never used a shark decoy. This thing is amazing. Look at it. El Diablo was a shark that was super curious, but also really quite aggressive. Ah, looks like fun, right? Anyway, uh, I guess it's not fun. It's racist. Shark Week is racist. This is an actual headline from the Washington Post. Shark Week lacks diversity. Oprah represents men named Mike. Scientists say this is not a joke, apparently. Is it? Are we sure? Oprah, Mike, scientists say, yeah, and inside the article, scientists say, the Washington Post reports, let's go ahead and uh, put it up on the screen, research claims that Discovery's program emphasized negative messages about sharks, lacked useful messaging about shark conservation, and overwhelmingly featured white men as experts, including several with the same name. Oh, yeah, Mike. Uh, the programming featured more white experts and commentators named Mike than women. Uh, Shark Week further concentrates power in the form of publicity and media attention in the hands of white male featured scientists, exacerbating academic power imbalances. It's the easiest thing in the world to go around counting faces, what color they are, and saying somehow, ooh, look at this. This is a racist place. Too many white people, too many of this, too many of that. It's lazy, and it's hateful, of course. And there may be a genuine lack of diversity in the oceanography community, whatever. Uh, but that's not Mike's fault. <laughs> that's not Mike's fault. That's another conversation as to what's really going on there. But don't take it out on Shark Week, and don't take it out on Mike. Uh, oh, and that's something that Trevor Noah should put in his noggin. This guy, thank goodness, he's uh, is he quitting? Is he retiring? What the problem is, but... This sounded pretty racist to me. First of all, first of all, I think it's crazy that she asks if the officer's body cam is on before incriminating herself. <laughs> right? Because what was she going to do if the body camera was off? Oh, it's not recording. Quick, dog, whapping off of the head. Let's get out of here. Just hit him. And secondly, I love how she does that thing. Like, if you notice it, she does that thing that white people do where, where they act like it hurts them to pull rank over you. <laughs> She's like, she's like, do you know, uh, it turns out I'm the, I'm the chief of police. The thing that white people do, maybe she did it, but all white people, this is really nasty, hateful stuff. And you're saying it on television, you hear all those idiots in the background laughing. That's racist. That is flat out racist. And, oh, I understand this is his last night on air, and uh, I'm not complaining. Okay, Meghan, uh, what's her name again? Meghan Markle, married to Harry, right? Is he still a prince? So the big documentary is finally on Netflix. I have not seen it yet. Will we watch? Will we watch? Mm, well, let's see if it's worthwhile. My mom, like, honked her horn because this woman was taking a long time to, like, figure out how to get out. And the woman turned around and screamed the N-word at my mom. 
I just remember my mom, like, I remember the grip that her hands had on the steering wheel. And, and like, you could see the, her, it was so tight where, like, the knuckles get all white. And she was just silent the rest of the drive home. We never talked about it. And I thought she was going to trash the queen. This is some, uh, some lady on the road 30 years ago said something horrible. So far, I'm not interested. Next. It's Harry's choice to wear a Nazi uniform earlier this month to a private party has caused outrage. It was one of the biggest mistakes of my life. I felt so ashamed afterwards. All I wanted to do was make it right. I sat down and spoke to the chief rabbi in London, um, which had a profound impact on me. I went to Berlin and spoke to a Holocaust survivor. I could have just ignored it and got on and probably made the same mistakes over and over again in my life. But I learned from that. Okay, uh, yeah, people have forgotten about this. I remembered it about two weeks ago. Harry went out with a Nazi swastika on his, uh, on his shirt there. Just for laughs, right? Pretty cute, right? Of course not. And he did that as an adult. He wasn't 10. He was 20. Uh, and he goes around lecturing the world about issues of race and how racist everybody else is. Huh. All right. So far, I'm not going to watch it. What about you? I'll be right back. All right, so crime is out of control all over the country, uh, particularly bad here in New York City. Poor guy getting pummeled. People on the subway just being, well, beaten up, robbed, sometimes tossed onto the subway tracks. It's happening all the time. This is an unsafe city. Presiding over it all is a particularly incompetent mayor. Eric Adams looks great in a suit, uh, brags about being a former cop, but has absolutely no idea what to do. He's only here to party. It's disgusting, in my opinion. And, uh, well, maybe our next guest as well. His name is Ari Kagan. Uh, he was elected to the city council here in New York very recently as a Democrat. But he's had enough. He is leaving the Democrat Party and uh, registered as a Republican uh, earlier this month. Uh, Ari Kagan, New York City Councilman, Republican of Brooklyn. Welcome. Uh, how are you, sir? Welcome. Good evening. Thank you so much. So, thank you for this opportunity. So why did you make the switch? Tell us. Because I became uh, sick and tired of this Democrats' uh, soft on crime and tough on police policies. It's uh, statewide and it's a citywide. It's all together. It's a legislation. It's public statements. It's attitude toward uh, law enforcement. It's uh, atmosphere of uh, basically lawlessness. Like every day, another story when someone uh, attacks someone, robs someone, kills someone, etc. And uh, practically next day, the person is released, or at, at maybe like in, in a few days, person is released. I visited one police precinct in my uh, council district in South of Brooklyn, and I saw pictures of ten criminals and. These were pictures of criminals who were arrested more than 10 times. I asked Captain, why you don't arrest them? You know who they are, where do they live? And he replied, it's pointless. They will be released anyway. Let's go through some crime statistics, just how bad it is. 
New York City crime rates uh, 2022 versus 2021, and crime was allegedly the issue last year during the campaign. Uh, total violence is up 25, over 25 percent. Robbery is up 28 percent. Burglary, 25 percent. Assault, 13 percent. Um, can I get your thoughts on Eric Adams and how the hell he was actually able to become the mayor? I would say that sometimes, even when he tries to do some positive things, the city council, New York state legislature, and governor disagree with him very often. He went to Albany this year twice asking to change bail reform. And until today, uh, judges have no discretion to assess the dangerousness of the person while making their decisions. Sometimes even liberal prosecutors are asking like charges of hate crime or attacks. Like just recently, uh, two guys were uh, arrested in, in Manhattan. One was with gun, another was Nazi armband and uh, had a vest. Both of them were planning attack to attack uh, synagogues in New York City and to kill Jews. And after they were arrested, guess what? Both of them are now roaming on the streets. So, like, how is it even possible? Why they were released? Like, inexplicable. That's what one of the major reasons why I decided to switch, because I realized that public safety is a number one priority. And from inside, I tried several times. I made a lot of statements. I tried to convince my colleagues in, in, in New York City Council, in New York State Legislature, and I realized it's a future exercise. Last, last thing. Uh, very few Republicans in the city council, lots and lots of Democrats. You think anybody else is going to do what you did I doubt it's going to happen uh, very soon, but privately, yeah, privately, when microphones are not working, some Democrats are saying to me, well, you are right, well, we need to support law enforcement, we need to support the NYPD, but when microphones are on, they're not saying this. We had a vote in city council this year to enhance uh, pension benefits for all police officers who served in the NYPD more than 25 years. And guess what? Some of my Democratic colleagues accused them of being white supremacists. And I asked them, when was the last time you visited Paris precinct in New York City? More than 50% of New York City right. police force are, are uh, black and Hispanic. So what are you talking about? I said, like, you know, but they were laughing. You know? All right. Thank you very much, sir. Good luck. And uh, think about running for mayor, okay? Uh, when thank we come so back, you bet, sir. We'll meet. Uh, thank you, Ari Kagan, Republican of Brooklyn. Thank you. Did you hear about the church group? They had a great night for planned at a restaurant, and uh, it was a evangelical group. Well, the restaurant said you can't come here because of your Christian views. Yeah, they canceled the reservation. Totally, totally outrageous. We'll be right back. At the podium, that's Victoria Cobb. She's the president of the Family Foundation. It's a nonprofit Christian conservative group promoting pro-life and traditional marriage values. Terrific. Um, and by the way, it's her constitutional right, right? Anyway, uh, it probably takes a lot of work. And uh, running a foundation, that's, uh, that's pretty intense. Not too long ago, uh, they made a decision to have a little outing that foundation at a restaurant called the Metzger Bar and Butchery in Richmond, Virginia. Well, they had a reservation. Everything was going well. Dinner on Wednesday, November 30th. Anyway, they canceled the reservation. The restaurant got wind of the group, what they stood for, 
and they felt unsafe. They felt threatened. They objected to the group's positions on various issues and canceled the reservation. It seems totally outrageous, but first let's meet Victoria Cobb, the president of the Family Foundation. Welcome. Uh, nice to see you. Welcome to Newsmax. Thanks for having me. Uh, so real quick, before we get into the restaurant thing, which is totally fascinating, just tell us a little bit about the Family Foundation, what you do, and uh, a little bit about yourself. Sure. We are a faith-based organization, and our mission is to preserve and promote the family because we believe that's God's design for a flourishing society to be the foundation. And so we do advocate for things like a biblical view of regarding marriage. We do advocate for the unborn that we believe they need to be protected. So, um, yeah, we do some things that are around issues that might be controversial to some, but we we advocate for those at the state level. All right. So it's all terrific. And uh, uh, I happen to agree. People could disagree. That's fine, too. Uh, what was the occasion for the dinner on November 30th? Yeah, we were just gathering together a group of our supporters for an opportunity to update them, share a little bit about the specific work that we're doing right now. So not a big deal, kind of turned into a big deal. And how many people were uh, set to have dinner there? Yeah, it was about 15 to 20 people. So a small gathering, but we did have uh, plans to have it in a private room so that it would be, um, you know, an opportunity for us to share about our work. Yeah, 15 to 20. I mean, that's a significant thing, though. I mean, you know, setting up <laughs> private room, that's not... Uh, all right. When did you make the reservation? And then when did you get the call that you can't come? Yeah, we actually made the reservation several weeks before things were going fine. We, had, we were unaware of any problem until about an hour and a half before the event, really before our guests were about to arrive at the restaurant, we got the phone call that they were canceling our event. And the justification. Now, they put out a statement. We can go through that. But what did they tell you? They said that one of their staff had looked us up and the wait staff refused to serve us. You seem totally over it by now. I'd still be fired <laughs> up. I mean, uh, what was your reaction when they said that? Well, between that and the statement that they released, I mean, how hypocritical that they would release a statement about how inclusive the environment is in their restaurant in order to defend their very intolerant actions of denying food service to Christians who happen to hold specific views about marriage and the protection of human life. All right. Listen, actually, um, our producer Jennifer just put this all together and I want to go through the statement. Let's go ahead and put uh, statement part one up and it reads as follows. Metzger Bar and Butchery has always prided itself on being an inclusive environment for people to dine in. Next, recently refused service to a group after the owners of Metzger found out it was a group of donors to a political organization that seeks to deprive women and LGBTQ plus persons of their basic human rights in Virginia. Uh, well, let's stop right there. Number one, is that true? Are you trying to deprive anybody of their rights? We actually think the most basic human right is the right to life. We actually think that the, the, the main thing that we do is advocate for human rights, rights. So obviously we have a very strong difference of opinion about how they frame that issue. Hey, by the way, there's also a right to eat. OK, so let's go back <laughs> to the statement. Uh, this is uh, part three of the statement. We have always refused service to anyone for making our staff uncomfortable or unsafe. And this was the driving force 
uh, behind our decision. Now, obviously, this would mean if somebody comes in there is giving the staff a hard time, not what that person may be thinking in their head or what's in their heart. This is a ludicrous observation, in my opinion, or or policy. Would you agree? Yeah, I think Americans are very concerned that we have people making judgments about other people before they've even met in the line of food service. This is no one wants to believe that there's going to be a political or religious litmus test at the door of a restaurant. You can't come in if you believe certain things because right, we don't feel happy about that. And finally, uh, many of our staff are women and or members of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and this is, by the way, owned by a celebrity chef who I've never heard of, Brittany Anderson. <laughs> All right, look, I'm on your side here, but let me ask you this. You've heard about that case. I think it's in Colorado, a woman, uh, a baker, and she does not want to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding because it's against her values. And quite frankly, I, I respect that. I, I, I understand that. I don't think she'd be, she should be forced to do that. Let's say... Brittany Anderson, these are truly her values, and she does not want to accommodate a bunch of people who disagree with her on some pretty fundamental and pretty important issues. When you look at it in that light, do you think she has a point? So we have to be really clear about the circumstances. I assume you're referring to Jack Phillips in the case that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, the baker out in Colorado. And in that particular case, it's really important to note, he will serve cakes to LGBT people, birthday cakes, other, other holidays, whatever it might be. Where he struggled was that he did not want to participate, to be part of a celebration, to use his artistic talent, his free speech, to help in a same-sex wedding. Very different. Also, I think folks kind of forget in this case, the celebrity chef might be noted everywhere and people might be talking about that person. Uh, this was not the excuse, the reason that they gave. They gave the reason of the wait staff don't feel comfortable. Uh, that's a very different thing than someone exercising their religious freedom or saying this. I have to use my creative artistic talents in in the occupation that I have. All right. I asked the right person. <laughs> hey, <laughs> thank you very much. Did you ever get to eat that night? We did. We were able to pivot to another restaurant, had a lovely time together and talked about our work. And it went just fine, despite their efforts to cancel our event. And you're not considering legal action or anything like this? Is the story over at this point? Well, we're certainly looking at all the options. But right now it's been tried very well in the court of public opinion. And I think uh, Metzger's has been found guilty. OK, uh, please uh, check out FamilyFoundation.org. Victoria Cobb, president of the Family Foundation. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You bet. Be right back. Hey, thank you very much. I'll see you later.